the Irish NFL show. For some reason, we thought it'd be well. I actually thought it'd be a good idea to go live the minute after the draft, but clearly going well. Have we got one to order? Yeah, good timing. Thank you very much. Cheers. Um, Look at yeah, that. coffee with uh, I, coffee. With I, I, I think it's a good job. You are far away from the two gentlemen at the bottom of the screen, Michael, having organised this for for eleven, and then having a, a delivery uh, appear from off screen. The two lads with kids. If, uh, if, the, if the restrictions, when do, when do, when is inter-county travel possible? I mean, it's been possible for months, but sure, that's, that's a different, like, I mean, there's been more Dublin cars up here in the last two weeks, boys, people getting their haircuts, or what's what's going on, or I don't know what's going on, D- different conversation for a different show, boys, a pleasure to bring you in, we've, we, we've a few guests coming up in, in, in five or ten minutes, but uh, I guess, Colin, I'll, I'll start with you, um, I think tonight we'll look more at the second round, but just recap on the first round. What were your thoughts of, of last night? We obviously go through a six-hour show. Uh, you feeling fresh? Um, oh, yeah, I'm feeling. I'm feeling okay. Um, I was. I'm fortunate uh, that I was able to to get a couple of hours sleep before we yeah started out last night. Um, intriguing. Um, Trey Lance obviously being one of the the big stories. Um, the the Lions, the Panthers, the Broncos, all um, passing on fields um, and uh, the Bears moving up and then the Raiders being the Raiders. So plenty for us to discuss this morning. How's the form, Brian? Good? Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly good for someone who didn't sleep for very long after. We wrapped up just after five o'clock this morning, but it was actually a very enjoyable evening. And the draft brings drama and excitement and the unknown and that's exactly what it, what it did again. The two players in particular that I out this morning we really should have known Justin Fields going to Soldier Fields now and uh, if you uh, spell Cam backwards you get Mac so Mac Jones the new Patriots quarterback it was written in the stars for voting and the Patriots didn't even have to do anything didn't have to budge sat at 15 they were going to move up with the Patriots with the Panthers they were going to move up with the Broncos they were going to move up with the Giants sat there Bill Bell checking the dog had a nice evening and arguably got the quarterback of the future Big Mac. Uh, hello to Michael Lavery as well. Hi, Michael. Thank you for the, the comment. Go, go to bed, man. Go to bed. Talking about Mac, Mac, Mac attack. Mark, uh, can we see your war room again? Are you, you're in a different war room this morning? I'm in a different, I'm in a different war room this morning, uh, Michael, and, and thankfully the children should be uh, awake at this point in the day rather than in the middle of the night and interrupting our draft show. But, um, yeah, look, a big news for me, obviously, is the, the Mac decision. Big night for Alabama, really. You know, six Alabama players taken in the first round. I thought Christian Barmore might be taken by the Bucks to set a new record, but they've equaled the Ohio State record of 2004. Trey Lance going to the 49ers, which was against many people's procrastinations and therefore uh, contributed to Mac Jones tumbling down. And I always love the day after the draft when you start seeing stats that you feel like you should have known beforehand. Like, you know, Trey Lance has the lowest amount of attempts of a quarterback in the last 40 years who have been drafted in the first round. So there's risk on that. Everyone knows about the risk on Zach Wilson. And there is still risk on Mac Jones. So lots of things. But what were the Raiders thinking? Eagles trading up for Devontae Smith was exciting. And uh, sorry, Am Rogers, your little prima donna trick didn't work. And the Packers still went ahead and selected Eric Stotes, a cornerback, to fix their defense rather than give you a shiny toy in Mr. Bateman or otherwise a wide receiver. Absolutely. Uh, hi to the Irish Titans. Thank you for joining us, lads. Again, another big night of sleep there. Let's 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 look at one topic to start off with. Our, obviously, the situation is still very much developing, and it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. But, Colm, 
the the Aaron Rodgers saga saga. We went from uh, thinking he was going to one place to another, and and now he's still in Wisconsin. It, there really is jeopardy right now, isn't it? Um, well, the, the, the Bears clearly uh, decided, uh, our Bears, the, the Packers decided to, to call his bluff. How funny would it be if Aaron Rodgers decided to ride off into the sunset, say, yeah, I'm just going to take that TV money and leave you to uh, with Jordan Love, a la the, the Simpsons, and sort out your own mess, and let's see what they really have. I doubt that happens. They'll, as I said, I think they'll kiss and make up for a season. Uh, if it was going to happen this season, it had to happen last night um, before the, the draft uh, was to, to take place. Um, I was listening to the, the PFF podcast uh, this morning, um, and uh, I think yeah, the, the reaction seems to, to be that you know he Mar, Mar, Mark Cockrell is spot on, and uh, he's he's not going anywhere. Um, I so it I think next next off season could be really interesting because uh, you won't have the the huge hits on Russell Wilson, on uh, the uh, on Aaron Rodgers, and uh, we'll see what happens down in in Texas. But um, yeah, the, it means it means for the the Broncos that there there still is that quarterback question. Yeah, and I suppose it's probably he rolled the dice, or his agent certainly rolled the dice yesterday in terms of putting out all the stories in order to try uh, push a, de- a deal through with San Francisco initially, and then obviously then the Broncos have been muted, and even got to stage with the Seahawks have been muted. But it looks like every general manager in the league is getting asked whether they're interested in, in Aaron Rodgers, because even after the Giants did the press conference last night, and the fact now that the Giants have the abundance of picks next year, two number ones, the question went straight out would you not make a deal for Aaron Rodgers and move on from Daniel Jones? So, quickly move away from that particular position. So, where is he going to go? Probably, it'll probably be next season because the Packers can move him on and it's a, it's a friendly hit on the cap. But it's, it's probably not a surprise because it was coming. Like you can see in the background, there's a lot of disgruntlement after that championship game, calling out the coach and stuff. So, it doesn't come as a surprise that he's not a happy camp. Mark, before we bring our guest in a couple of minutes, we've got a comment from Jamie from Bengals UK. Do you guys ever sleep? Jamie, I can tell you, Mark never sleeps. He hasn't slept in 32 years. That's correct, Mark, yeah? Yeah, pre- pretty, pretty much. That's why I look this age, basically, Michael. Um, yeah, actually, in the last 48 hours, I've had two hours sleep. So, um, yeah. You might not see me at 10 p.m. tonight, gents. That's all I'm saying. I could be here oh. somewhere. Um, just, just on Rogers, I mean, like, I just can – two things, actually. One, sorry, 2004, six players from Miami, not Ohio State. Should have said that right. But secondly, can I just take that clip from Colin? Mark Cockrell was right. Can we just play that on loop uh, a few times? That 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 feels that I, feels. I think good. I said in this instance. No, no, just I just heard the first bit of the sentence. But um, I want to move off Rogers because he doesn't really matter. And actually, can we talk about two other starting quarterbacks? Even with all the moves last night, Bill Belichick immediately came out and said, "Cam's our quarterback." When Jared Stidham and Mac Jones are willing to challenge for it or ready to challenge for it, we'll have a look at it then. The fact he throws Stidham in there and he says this, you know. Makes everybody laugh, but Belichick's proved. Like, you got to prove it. I mean, he did dumb Bledsoe before. So if Mac Jones doesn't step up and Cam outplays him, don't see it, but still, um, he will be the starting quarterback. The funnier one, though, Matt Nagy came out and said, uh, 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 Andy Dalton's still our, our, our starting quarterback. I mean, I don't even think he agreed with the words as he was saying them, to be honest. But... Um, yeah, the lying that goes on during drafts still hasn't still hasn't stopped, and we're only in round one. Of course, there's so much more of the story to tell in the next six rounds. 
it was like, sorry, it was like as if he forgot that Andy Dalton was still a part of the team. You know, 10 million for the one-year contract. Oh, yeah, Andy Dalton is still around. Yeah, I'll have to you know, factor that into the equation. Irish Titans happily take happy to take the best cornerback in the draft of twenty two, and 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 at Frank Bergen boys unbelievable stuff from memory because you know it was obviously a very long night. Greg Newsom went to the Titans. Yeah, tell me I'm right, please. No, Caleb Farley. Caleb Farley. Caleb Farley. Yeah. Oh no, I'm done. I've been done live by the Titans. But but I'm sorry, Irish Titans. He's not the best corner in the draft. Patrick Sertain is still the best corner in the draft. Who has gone to the Broncos? But Caleb Farley didn't deserve to drop that far, and they've picked up a great pick there. And you you didn't get two players. You only got the one. Just, just a one. On that note, let's bring in our first guest. Uh, we are delighted to bring in a guy from uh, on the Irish NFL scene. Guy, I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you are an NFL fan in Ireland, you will know exactly who he is in that sense. If not, check him out at one Super Bowl drive. Mark Hogan joins the show. Mark, good morning. How are you? Hey, guys. Uh, what lovely words uh, come from you there. Uh, you guys are the the face of the Irish scene now so uh taking the mantle for me certainly uh but no um I, I really noticed over the last couple of days how big the community is growing i mean i've been active now on twitter more so like steadily from the american football side of things for the maybe the last two years and i've met some great guys along the way but i feel like i never knew how strong the irish scene in particular was it's been a lot of uk guys scotland's coming on the scene a bit and uh, yeah, I think it's exciting, obviously, the face that you guys have given to it and everyone kind of coming out and joining together and um, supporting one another. So uh, yeah, it's great. Oh, look here, thanks, thanks for your comments. And I, I have to say, like, I definitely agree. I'm sure these boys say the same. Like, it's great to see so many Irish accounts come up as well. Obviously, great to see UK accounts and see the game grow generally as well, but it is good to see. Uh, Mark, tell us a bit about yourself, your, your NFL fan. Where are you from in Ireland? I mean, I can't even, I can't get that accent. I trying to guess. Uh, yeah, um, for my sins, I'm a Cardinals fan. I mean, maybe people will think I've jumped on a bandwagon for the last couple of years, but it's been uh, 10 years now following them. You can see the Murray, I guess, jersey over my shoulder, but um, there's been a lot of hard times in between uh, Murray coming on board. And yeah, I guess, um, I yeah, look, I work behind the scenes with um, BBC and a bit of PFF. Um, so I, I've been lucky in that sense that uh, I get to call it a job for uh, portions of the year, which is nice. Yeah, um, I, I think definitely echoing as well what you were saying in, in terms of seeing the community come together has been um, really great over the, the last number of months and, and hopefully something that will continue. But I suppose before we delve into the wider draft, as a, as a Cards fan, your thoughts on uh, what the Cardinals did last night? Uh, geez, I, I uh, was thinking if we have time later on, it might be uh, touched on as a, I don't know, as a rant or something. But I mean, look, linebacker wasn't mentioned at all in the build-up. Um, I mean, my uh, my go-to, if you know him, Darren Urban from the team website or Kyle Odegaard, like, they, they have their players there already in place. The likes of Jordan Hicks now has been relegated to a backup role and I mean when cornerback was such a massive need I know the Tennessee fans are happy they got Caleb Farley Greg Newsom was on the board at that time too that they really backed themselves into a hole that they had to go cornerback and they didn't I mean I think that Dallas kind of did the same thing they took a linebacker and I, I don't think it's wise it's it's not a premium position especially where those two teams were picking and uh, I actually think that 
those two teams should have really forced a big at cornerback, honestly. Just leading into the second round, Mark, what's your thoughts then? Where, where do you think they'll go? Do you think they will still focus on that cornerback situation or address it in the second round, 12 round? Yeah. Or maybe? Oh, the Cardinals, I think they have to. I See, the problem now is there's going to be a run on cornerbacks. I mean, if you look at it, the Eagles should have gone for a cornerback. Um, the Saints thought they were going to get a cornerback. And Buffalo potentially gets a cornerback. Like, I don't see these teams trading up, but I think there's going to be a huge run. And the Cardinals don't have the ammunition to move up to get one. So I think they're going to have to settle. And I, I really think it's going to be settling. They, I think the, the Cardinals have a solid roster with a massive hole there at cornerback. And um, especially like when you're going, they have Malcolm Butler, who they signed in the offseason, but. When you're going against Seattle and you have to go against Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf again, I just it's scary, really. Uh, as a Patriots fan, Mark, I can tell you, Malcolm Butler can come up with a good play or two, but yeah. he also can... stadium, right? Yeah, but but he is no Patrick Peterson, which you know um, obviously is is um, sad for Cards fans. There, Asante Samuel Jr. I was just I knew I, I thought he was still available. He is. I mean, he's probably the top ranked cornerback still left. But I agree. I think there's going to be a run on them and whether there's one still available for you guys or you're going to try and pick a Richard Sherman out of the hat in the later rounds or something is going to be a question for you. But Mark, I mean, look, there's so many stories and there's so many things that come out in the first round. I was just quoting the the, the stat about Trey Lance and the, the lowest number of passes. But I love some of the under the line or below the radar um, stories that come up. Last night, Najee Harris, the now Steelers running back, hosted a draft party at the homeless shelter where you once lived. Um, and, you know, it's just something like that, kind of the human interest element, kind of go, wow. Uh, and you see these guys obviously come from so many different backgrounds to um, bring their dreams to life. What for you in that first round is a story maybe this morning that people aren't talking about as much or has kind of piqued your interest? Yeah, I suppose I'm glad you uh, preface it with saying that people aren't talking about it because obviously we dive in straight away on Trey Lance and Mac Jones. But you know what? O-line being neglected for wide receiver by two teams in particular probably did it for me. Um, Cincinnati and Philadelphia both could have done with an O-line. Look, I'm probably pushing it a bit now saying that um, Philadelphia should have gone for a tackle when they had Slater on the board there. But what really bugs me is that they traded up for a wide receiver when last year... The Bengals and the Eagles quarterbacks were most sacked per game, that is, even because both of them ended up injured because they were so easy to get to. And I think that those positions should have been addressed. Been addressed. Cincinnati definitely should have. They had Sewell fall to them. And I know the talk was all along that they wanted to get um, Jamar Chase back with Joe Burrow. But I just thought you had to be wise. Like, these, you're not trying to win now. I mean, you can compare it to. <laughs> Look, there's lot, so, so many ways you can compare it to. Deshaun Watson, in what, 2018, in his second year, he had 62 sacks and everything. And he had DeAndre Hopkins on the field. It's, you know, like a, a solid wide receiver. But he does 62 sacks and everyone's giving out. You need to get protection for him. Um, Minnesota has fantastic wide receivers, but their offense can't hit the same heights. That offense should be a top five, top three offense except for it doesn't get the protection for its cornerback. We saw in the Super Bowl the importance of having protection because it doesn't matter how good your wide receivers are and how good your quarterback is. If you don't have pass protection and you're less scrambling, I think it's all over the place. So 
I thought that those two teams both could have gone for a bit more um, pass protection, especially when wide receiver is something that you can address later. I mean, if you look over the last five years, the guys that have gone in round one, the best of them have probably been your Justin Jeffersons, your Calvin Ridley's and CD Lambs. But in round two, you've had, had DK Metcalf, AJ Brown and um, Michael Thomas. So it's like there was depth there to be gone in day two. Look, maybe I'm just a traditionalist that I think you should build the O-line first. They get better as they age versus your wide receivers. Uh, kind of, you know, they, they can come and go. They're hit or miss. Um, last year, I mean, like, look at Jerry Judy. Look at um, uh, Rogues for the Raiders. You still don't know. Even, even these teams drafted high last year, getting T. Higgins and getting um, Jalen Rager that... They're just putting too much stock in the wide receivers, and I think they should be gone for all line. No, Mark, I, I absolutely agree with you there. When we did the Bears Media Sports Show during the week, and we were doing the projections on which team, which players would be selected by each team, the Bengals in particular, um, we said, was the snazzy or the attractive pick is going to Marquise, the sensible pick would be to go with the offensive line. You know, and Joe Burrow having that serious injury, seizing ending injury against Washington halfway through the season, you think they would have been focused on making sure he's upright because. Keep him up right. He's got the qualities to be a great quarterback in the league. And they just revealed the new uniforms there last week, and you saw the big gash on Joe Burrow's leg because he had the ACL tear. So I, I, I would just be worried for those teams. Again, um, the Eagles trading up it just didn't really make sense for me. I thought they were probably trying to rob a wide receiver away from the Giants, and clearly the Giants did want someone because they traded it back straight away afterwards. That yeah, I, I, I just didn't understand it, and. Um, yeah, I mean, Slater was on the board there, and he plays left and right tackle. Again, going back specifically to what happened to Philadelphia last year, they were just decimated with um, with injuries there. With the, Jason Peters was let go, then they brought him off the street, put him in at right guard, and he ends up at left tackle because they just they had no depth there by the end of the season. So I know that you do have your starters in your Lane Johnsons and your Kelsey at center, but uh, just I thought from a depth point of view that they should have been a lot smarter, especially now because... I don't know. Maybe they don't want to give um, Jalen Hurts enough help so that they can go for a quarterback. When they traded up, I thought they were going for Justin Fields, honestly. So maybe they're uh, angling to get a quarterback in the future anyway. Jen, so it always reminds me of David Carr coming in with such great hope. 49 sacks in his first season, 68 sacks in his second season. When his brother eventually came into the league, one of the things he advised him on is go somewhere that actually has an O-line. And obviously Derek saw what David had gone through um, and much maligned. You've got to protect these guys. And that's why I love the Chargers move last night as well. You protect Justin Herbert, you protect the franchise. Simple as that. And which do you need to build first, I suppose? like I know that Justin Herbert has the weapons around him. But again, they're being smart about it and they're looking back at what historically has been happening with these teams. And again, going back to Sean Watson, how the fan base would be crying out, if your quarterback shows talent and your wide receivers show any good signs, everyone's going to be screaming for offensive line. The Chargers won't go through that. Now, I, I know I talked to guys, Chargers beat writers this offseason, and that was the hole that they had to go through. No one really will talk about it now because I know it's not a, a sexy pick to go for offensive line. But it's like it's just smart building, and that's why they're going to be competitive this year, I believe. I think we've got time for another question each, if that's all right, Mark. Uh, I know 
chill morning. I think everybody's in the coffee here. What was your thoughts when uh, Justin Fields went to Chicago? Obviously, that it wasn't the first big shock last night because there was a few picks before that that were like, hmm, interesting. But uh, a huge move for Chicago who finally get a quarterback. Yeah, it's a huge shift for the team. I mean, like they've gone from Nick Falls and Mitchell Trubisky now to a kind of a game changer. I suppose it's a roll of the dice from everyone involved there, isn't it? That I mean, I was surprised that they're able to trade up for it, obviously, because the narrative going in was they won't be allowed to trade up because if they're only there left for a year, you know, they're they're on the hot seat at the moment. Those coaches and GM that you know you don't want to sacrifice too much and they've given up next year's first round pick in that move so i was a bit surprised i think it's a good thing um uh it's it, it i don't know how good that offense is going to be now look i've been down on chicago for over a year now i thought they would have been in play for trevor lawrence going into last year i was so certain that they had to get a quarterback so obviously it's exciting for the front fans um there was a bit of an emotion even on Twitter last night from fans that were so thrilled to get him. Because, look, he is rated as probably the best, behind Trevor Lawrence, best quarterback that there is. So let's see how, how it develops. Uh, I suppose the price wasn't too much to go up when you consider that the Eagles, to go into the 10th spot uh, from 12, had uh, given up the third-round pick, which I thought was extremely expensive. But, um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out for them, I think. Yeah, it was a big move, but the team had to do it to um, save some jobs. I think sometimes, I suppose, what a team has done in the recent past can can have such an impact with the, the Eagles missing on Jefferson last year. I think there would have been a riot in Philadelphia if they hadn't gone and taken uh, a receiving talent. So I think maybe while the, the need might have been elsewhere, I think that fan base saw Jefferson play as well as he did in Minnesota and they had Jalen Rieger and that definitely, I think Broncos country might have a little bit of that with Justin Fields this year. So we will, uh, that'll be an interesting one but for for you mark i suppose um is there who else in in the the second round would you be thinking like maybe could have gone in in the first or um would teams that that you might see kind of trading up to, to take some of the talent available yeah honestly colin i suppose i know what i know from watching the last year play out and i know team needs versus actual players i don't watch college i I'm listening to other people's opinions for the last two months and these guys coming out of college. So I suppose it wouldn't be fair for me to say who should or shouldn't go. I mean, I was surprised that I got the first two draft picks correct on my uh, my mock draft figure. But I suppose, yeah, the prediction for me would be more so whoever the guy is, it's going to be cornerbacks early later on, you'd imagine. Mark, um, off, the, off the draft, to a certain degree, the Aaron Rodgers situation, I know Mark is probably fed up at the stage of us discussing it, but... Sure, look, someone else's opinion, throw it in there. Do you think you'll get the move at some stage? I don't think I'll get the move because we've seen how Russell Wilson and Sean Watson has been playing out this offseason. Now, Deshaun Watson derailed it or was derailed for different reasons, but I think that Aaron Rodgers is too important. I mean, I would side with him. As I got a few texts yesterday when it happened, kind of asking my opinion. And I said, well, first, first off, the Packers are so attractive to watch with Aaron Rodgers specifically. Like, he's a great character. Um, so if they trade him away because he's hurt over what's gone on, I suppose they become a bit of a, a volatile organization. I don't think it'd be wishing them well so much anymore. But I I understand where it's come from. He's not getting the guarantees in his bank account from um, off the back of the MVP season. They put down a, a mantra last year. You know, like 
prove it to us that you deserve to stay in this team for a long time. And he did. And I think he, he should be rewarded. And for them to turn around and say, would you take a pay cut? I just, it's nonsensical to me. I think, yeah, it's probably the problem with not having an owner. I mean, it's a public team and all that, that it's, what's the general manager's name? Gutenhurst, is it? And I, th- I think, yeah, it's a problem. Sure, Lafleur himself has kind of sided with Aaron Rodgers saying, yeah, that he didn't have too much to play in that Jalen Hurts pick last year. Uh, I think it's a tough situation that they find themselves in, but that's the that's the uh, summer slash spring that we've had now with quarterbacks and franchise quarterbacks that they seem to all be um, getting a bit, you know, all over the place. And it kind of, to tie it back into the draft, I'm kind of glad to see that the Atlanta Falcons have stuck with Matt Ryan because, you know, the talk was that they would go for a, a quarterback and said they went with Kyle Pitts and, you know, that that offense still has a few more years. And it was also the narrative that Matt Ryan isn't worth his money. Well, that's kind of where the money is at right now. And, yeah, I mean, not that he's been a servant to the game or anything, but he's absolutely serviceable himself and Aaron Rodgers. And I don't understand the infatuation at the moment with the NFL to move on to younger guys. I understand it's in a bit of a flex at the moment that people do want those younger quarterbacks, the more mobile quarterbacks. I don't know whether there always be a place for these prototypical quarterbacks that we're so used to at the moment. I presume there would be, but I think it's shooting yourself in the foot if you think, oh, let's move on to a younger guy just for the sake of it when we have a Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers and we just don't want to pay them. I also understand that the rookie weight scale has a lot to do with that, but in yeah, in, in these cases, I just think you have to pay Aaron Rodgers. He's an absolute superstar. Yeah. Mark, I mean, the grass is always greener, and the, that's obviously why some of the infatuation, but the grass is always greener for uh, Aaron Rodgers as well. Like, I mean, give me another team that will go 13-3 and in back-to-back years with a coach who's organized as well as Lafleur there. So hopefully the prima donna calms down. And all these franchise quarterbacks understand this isn't the NBA. They don't actually have player power in relation to it, and the franchises own their asses, to be blunt about it, because they do. However, we can't let you go without talking about your team one more time. And looking back very briefly at last season, obviously 6-2, and two, amazing start. Cards were my dark horse. I thought they were going to make the playoffs. <laughs> but obviously, it fell apart there. Four losses, um, four losses in five. Um, back-to-back games you could have won and been in, and obviously they they let it slip both against backup quarterbacks in the last two games of the season. Um, but you do have one of these new prototypical mobile quarterbacks who is one of the most exciting players in football. How do you feel about it and going into next season as a Cards fan? Oh, it's huge. Um, there's been backlash since the season ended on the coaching staff that, yeah, they hadn't prepared a solid, viable backup option obviously the quarterback and Chris Trevor was put in there um I think there was leadership issues we had Darren Urban on our podcast there whatever about a month ago and I asked him straight out about the leadership issues because Kyler Murray in particular doesn't quite have that yet um I mean this week coming up to the draft and I see him kind of a uh, he signed a, a gaming deal and I'm like uh, I, not that his priorities he, he's new I mean geez, he's even he's younger than me and I don't even understand kind of the again infatuation being the word with the video games and stuff like that and I just he's not a leader yet Um, he is a great skill set but I just something there's something an itch that I, I can't quite scratch with Kyler Murray so far that I just it hasn't bonded 
the team so far. I think that, yeah, maybe we were spoiled having Carson Palmer and stuff to look at for years, even Kurt Warner before that, that they were just such solid typical, you knew what they were like. And I just think of Kyler Murray's, um, there was an incident last year where he was just visibly upset with his tight end for just uh, missing on a block. And like, it was, he was irate about it. And like, it wasn't good for team chemistry is kind of what I'm trying to say that, I think there's a lot of potential there, but um, it's a massive, massive year. And again, that cornerback hole doesn't help because the offense you saw last year was great out the blocks, but then they kind of struggled. And I don't know, Cliff Kingsbury might um, might need to yeah make better adjustments, obviously. But I think that when it comes to when the offense isn't working like it didn't for those last few weeks last year, the um, the defense has to step up and it's not a sure thing to step up. So I hope they make the playoffs, but uh, if it's not the playoffs, I think there could be a lot of change in Arizona. Yeah. They, well, they've, they've, put it, they've put too much into the season for it to go, um, to go pear-shaped. Yeah. Well, at least he's not Matt Leinard or the chosen mm-hmm. Rose, Josh Rose. Oh, there's been a lot worse than that, I'll tell you. Jeez, uh, yeah. Kevin Paul, Drew, Drew Stanton. And, yeah, it's been, it's been a horrible... Look, it's also great for these quarterbacks. I mean, or sorry, those quarterback needy teams that are after getting their their quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, like I know there's been so many teams that understand that pain of being in the the abyss for so long that uh, I know Trevor Lawrence I haven't mentioned yet, but for Jags fans and I know there is a lot in the UK, I'm delighted for them that they could get someone like that because when you go into the draft and you don't have to worry about quarterback anymore, and it's my what second year in a row that I haven't had to worry worry about quarterback. It's a kind of a nice experience. Mark Ed. It's been a pleasure having you on here this morning, man. We'll, we'll definitely have to do it again sooner rather than later because I've really enjoyed listening to your insight. It's actually kept me going this morning because I am pooped. But uh, thanks for your time. If anybody wants to check out Mark on social, at one Super Bowl drive, and Mark, hopefully chat to you maybe in a few weeks. If you, if you, I mean, it'd be great to have you on again. Yeah, best of luck. Uh, I was hoping we'd get into some Denver Bronco, Broncos talk with Collins today, especially they didn't get their uh, quarterback and they went for a quarterback. I was I was hoping to dive into it maybe another time. There's, uh, there's going to be an all 24 uh, hour special looking at the Broncos uh, for the last five, uh, five years, Mark. But look, thanks for coming on and uh, hopefully we'll chat to you again soon. We'll see you later, guys. Best of luck with the rest of the show. Cheers. Mark's fight. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks very much to Mark for coming on. Great. We've actually got another guest here, right here, right now as well. Um, my Northern accent's going to get me here. Andrew Coon. I, I say Coonion, but it's not Coonion. It's Cunningham. Or I can't even. I'm just going to embarrass myself. Andrew, how's it going, man? How are you? Good. Good. I'm well. I mean, like everyone else, I'm half asleep. Like my body is is awake. My mind is still at about half past four this morning. So um, it's been a long endurance test but i think we're all in the same boat so we can all just we can all truly enjoy yourself <laughs> andrew nfl journalist and um, mm. you know obviously big into the sports you know tell us about this so wh- how does that start etc how long have you been in the nfl fan or how long have you been in the nfl for who's your team etc yeah so i think we started watching the nfl when i was maybe 10 or 11 so 2002 2003 it was the excuse you know when you're going into school on a monday morning and Channel 4 had that bloody highlight show on way too late on the Sunday. And it was the perfect excuse to tell my mother, no, I need to stay up, I need to watch this. It's a really big interest. Sure, I didn't care. I just didn't want to get up and go to bed. Um, but as it turned out, it became quite a, a passion over the years. Um, and gradually, when you think you know yourselves, a lot of you have been you've been so founded in the NFL for a long time and seeing it grow is quite a, a piece of pride for you. 
Um, and I was very much one of those people because you, you can't talk to anyone about this for the, for the first 10 years you're into it, which is a killer. Um, so I am kind of jealous of people who've grown um, into the sport as, as the discourse is more widely available, like people like yourselves. Um, so, you know, it's been fun. Uh, I, when I was younger, funnily enough, as it turned out, there were two teams I really liked and they were the Rams and the Chargers. And I didn't realize that, funnily enough, a few years down the line, that would be quite a choice, so polarizing. Um, but I, I did. I had a, a bit of an obsession with Isaac Bruce. And then there was a Daniel Tomlinson who was drafted in 2001. And they were two of the fastest people I'd ever seen in my life at that age. I couldn't believe that these were human beings. Um, so it gradually over time, I ended up picking the Chargers. And I'm not quite sure why. Thankfully, it, it's kind of worked out to a degree. I think we haven't had too many awful years which you know yourselves in this game, boys, if you can get away but not having too many awful years, you're doing all right. Um, I didn't want to be like everyone else and pick the Patriots. Thank God. Um, we don't want to get into that now. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been writing about the NFL for, for Paddy Power when I used to work up there in their HQ for, for a number of years, and it gradually became a thing um, when I started working, and I suppose writing about betting markets first and foremost, um, done a bit of work for Paddy Power for Cloud Best, and I worked for a company called Stats Perform, who obviously deal with the analytics and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, varying degrees of, of NFLness in my life through various guises, whether that be professionally or as a hobby. But um, the Chargers have provided me with some up and down moments. Um, I'm a Birmingham City fan in the other code of football, so I needed some sort of respite. Uh, so that's it's yeah it's, it's it's been it's been a long time. I've been watching this for 16, 17 years, and I'm just waiting for that crowning moment. Um, I'm from Limerick as well, so thankfully we have the the local game here that's going to suit me quite well. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been a long time coming, and hopefully after last night we're on a fast track to something positive. Yeah, I suppose just looking at uh, last night's uh, pick as a as a Chargers fan, um, your immediate reaction to to that pick. Yeah, surprised he, he fell there, if I'm honest with you. Um, it, it always seemed viable. And you see drafts where you see, oh, yeah, no, Slater got 13. And you don't want to get too excited and too hyped up for it because, you know, the disappointment's always around the corner in this sport. But the more I saw it, I, well, like, I mean, Sewell was always going to go at seven if they didn't trade out. I thought I thought it was the obvious decision for them or for Detroit. Um, I like Carolina at eight. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I honestly, I thought Horn was the best defender in the draft. I really enjoyed him at South Carolina. I thought he was super. You, people tossed and turned with the argument with Sertan. I think Sertan is a better press man. I think he's probably a slightly better athlete, whereas Horn is a bit more instinctual. Um, I, I thought Sertan, like I know, I actually watched this sort of Broncos fan last night. So I, I, I saw the entire roller coaster from about 10 p.m. till 4 in the morning. Um, and it was a great night to be um, an AFC West fan that wasn't a Raider or a uh, a chief for a Bronco. So I had a great time. I watched the Broncos' hopes and dreams burn by about two o'clock. Um, then I watched the Raiders pick Alex Leatherwood at 17 when he probably would have been there at 117. And the Chiefs didn't have a pick, so I couldn't complain. Uh, now it was good. Look, to me, I think everyone knows, and I, I was listening to a bit of the conversation previously when we were talking about ego receiver, a tackle first, can't throw the ball to the receiver if the quarterback's crippled on the ground. So it didn't, it didn't bother me. Um, I, I thought there was a... I didn't know, there's a lot of discourse. I know Daniel Jeremiah was keen and said that Slater might have been the best offensive tackle. I don't know how much I agree with that because he does some of the color comms for the Chargers. Maybe he kind of had a bit of an insight that they wouldn't be there for him. Um, so you're always going to hype up the pick that you thought was more likely. Um, but you're looking at his bench press there. He's a freak. He's an absolute freak. I think people worry too bit about the, the arm length and some people project, well, if you don't have 40 inch arms you're going to be a guard which is probably a bit nonsensical like especially since they measure from the tip of your finger rather than your palm which i don't get either i think your fingers are going to block anyone um 
but I was delighted. Um, I, li- I like the, the Northwestern tie-in as well, because when I'm in the States, I generally go to Chicago, so I, I quite like the locality of that. Um, it, was, it was a home run for us. Like I said, I, I wouldn't have minded trading back and maybe getting Darasaw, because I think you might have picked up extra value. I think the big thing for us um, was always going to be tackled, but I am a bit conscious because of who our new head coach is with Staley and the way he was so effective with the Rams. You do need that number one corner to just go and defend half a field by himself. Uh, our number one corner on that depth chart is Michael Davis. I don't know if he'll do that. Um, but you're hoping and praying that someone drops into the second and maybe we trade up like we did for for Ken Murray last year. I mean, Eric Stokes was the, the obvious one, I thought. Maybe you're looking at Santi Samuel at the top of the second. But cor- once corner and tackle were, were assessed and they were addressed at the, by the end of this draft, I was completely fine with it. And my dream scenario was obviously trading up for Sewell, but to get Slater and give up any capital on top of that, I couldn't ask for a whole lot more, you know. And just your, your general thoughts on the charges where they are at the moment with the new head coach. Obviously, last year there was a lot of games in which they, so you could say they threw away. They were in some very close games and heartbreaking losses. You know, the Saints game missed that field goal to win at the end. The game in Mile High against the Broncos, where they were up by three, two to three scores, and they, they managed to show their game away. And there was numerous other games, even the game with the touchdown that was that was that was then taken away against the Raiders. You know, they're they're in all these games, but yet they haven't won them. And Anthony Lynn, once he came across, he seems like a really good guy. And he's gone to Detroit now. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, he's going to lose his job at the end. But just going forward, the team, they're, they are, they seem to be going in the right direction. Once having lost a lot of games last year. Yeah, that's a good point. Like I always say to people, the Chargers have had a really good roster now for about forty years, and they never won anything. Um, it's it's frustrating. It's a cultural thing with them. It's a cultural thing. Um, and it is just this inherent softness that you don't get with perennial winners. Like, you know, for example, the Patriots just don't really blow leads. And it's just part and parcel of who you are. I always equate this to Manchester United in the in the late 90s. You knew for a fact they were going to come back and beat you. The Chargers at the complete inverse. You know they're always going to be in the game, even if they're up by 20. And it was frustrating, and that was a cultural thing. And you know head coaches come in, and they give you the big spiel about how they're going to change the culture here and make it really hard, and then the battle test, and they're all going to be the Baltimore Ravens, except they're never the Baltimore Ravens. They end up being the Chargers every single time so what you do is you go and you draft an enforcer linebacker like Denzel Perryman because he can play two downs and he's of no use to you again um it's just it's nonsense and I like coaches that evolve and are more analytically driven um because ultimately the smarter you are the more you're going to win a game there was a five-year period in the NFL where if you had a tight end and you flexed him out you got one-on-one you were going to win every week and people just kept ignoring this and I was just anyone that can look at these x's and o's and be obvious about it you're going to be progressive and you're going to win games um, Gus Bradley, who was look for, for a long time, that Gus Bradley tree of defense and that cover three system was the way to do it. And you had those rangy corners, your Shermans and your Cam Chancellors. That Seattle thing is, it, people are going to be talking about the Seattle defense for, for 50 years because it was just the perfect culmination of scheme that was new and it was the perfect personnel to execute it. When you don't have the personnel for that, it becomes really predictable. And when you're in a game and you're playing bend, don't break in cover three every single week, you're giving Drew Locke a chance to win a game. No offense to anyone here, but you shouldn't be giving him a chance to win a game when you're winning late in the fourth quarter. Doesn't have the pose, doesn't have the bottle, doesn't have the skill set. And somehow they've managed to give it up to him. And they did this. And that's not a a slack on on Drew Locke. I've been near his high school in Missouri. It's a lovely place. But it, it just, to me, it didn't make any sense how you could constantly play down to your opposition every week and yet people still say you're a good team. They're not. And they haven't been. So Staley coming from 
my face side of pragmatism I'm, I'm hopeful for, but the big one for me was getting rid of Gus Bradley, and we've shipped him off to the Raiders. It's even better. Um, so they are going to be really predictable for four years. Um, but no, it's the cultural shift. So it's now analytics-based more than the, the fake character nonsense that they come up with. And we've gotten a defensive coordinator that isn't Gus Bradley. I didn't care who it was. Play more man coverage and blitz more. Bring more pressure. Manufacture it. Don't be constantly relying on Joey Bosa to be double teams because you're only going to win one in every 15. Um, and now there there is a real sense with Herbert. You're not going to waste him because you're not going to be passive. And if you're passive with any quarterback, whether they're all the famers or they're rubbish, you're going to end up losing closer games all the time. And hopefully that's the end of it now. Andrew, I was upset about your original jibe at the Patriots, but you've made up for it with two wonderful jibes back against the Broncos. So, you know, the, the slate's clean. It's all good. Um, I love the fact you brought up uh, Tomlinson's um, pick in 2001. I mean, like, uh, ultimately that – or, yeah, 2001, that was potentially one of the greatest drafts of all time because you got Tomlinson with your first pick and then you got Drew Brees with your second pick, which was the first pick of the, the second round there. You know, fast-forwarding a little bit now to modern times – I think you've had a great free agency, personally. Corey Lindsley was a brilliant pickup to protect her, but obviously other pickups at guard. Um, obviously the Slater pick, I said it last night, I'll say it again, I love it. I think it's great. You protect the franchise first and foremost. And you've alluded to corner. But what else do you feel? I mean, the, the Chargers have never lacked for talent. As you said, they've had a great team for 40 years. They've had great quarterbacks during this period of time. They've had great pass rushes. They've had great tight ends, but they've never gelled it together. What do they need other than corner in the rest of the six rounds to come to help take that team to the next level? Uh, I, I think it's, it's funny to double down on this, but I think offensively in depth, you, you need a really good swing tackle now. It's not enough. Like you, you know this yourselves. Look at the Chiefs and how they were exposed in the Super Bowl. They should have won that. They, they were a better side, I thought, and they were more equipped to win that Super Bowl. The spread suggested as much. But if you don't have eight or nine very capable offensive linemen to slot in and play wherever, then, then you're ultimately you're going to be as as bad as the other team's worst pass rusher. I always make this point, um, and the Chargers need to go and they need to get depth now. Again, like I said, that standout corner needs to happen. I'd like to see safety go. There was no safeties taken in the first round, I believe last last night was there. Strange. I thought Mordick would have gone by now, but they didn't. Um, it's a case maybe some people feel more comfortable trading out of of lower positions to get the safety that they want. There's some really there's some safeties actually the hybrid linebacker. Um, I thought he definitely would have gone by this stage he is that beautiful nickel player where you can play in the box you can even throw him at single high if you want to you can play slot um, given the way the NFL had gone at this point that would have been illogical um, if I wasn't so adamant that we needed that number one well, number two corner as it was um, to come in and play straight away then I'd be banging the table for, for um, Awusu Kamaroa but like I, there's different bits. I just think there's depth now because I think, folks, if, if we're all honest, that 22 to start for the Chargers could probably put it up to, to almost anyone. Um, it's just a case of getting the depth in place now because Herbert's going to win you games by himself once you're not stupid. Um, he's probably, well, I don't mean to go into analytics or anything, but he's probably two and a half, three wins above replacement by himself. Um, he's just, he's that good compared to what he was replacing. I think Phillips decline was quite sad at the end. Um, to see it because he obviously had the talent, he just couldn't do it anymore. And I think everyone had seen this, the same Philip Rivers frailties for so many years that it was a case of maybe there's need something that's fresh. Um, so Herbert doing that, and obviously I take the point that there's now more of his tendencies and his weaknesses on film, so opposing coordinators can can actually go and plan for him now, so we'll have to see. But the thing is, he did this in spite of so many problems last year. I think the point's well made about Alan and Williams that are there, and it's great, but I still would always come back to 
I suppose the idea that underneath him you've got Terry Johnson and you've got Jalen Guyton. These, these aren't you know household names for anyone. So if your first read isn't there, you go and lose Henry. You probably do need a receiver at some point in this draft now. I don't know whether there is, but you know yourself, folks, you're better off at any point, unless outside the top three taking a receiver in the third or fourth, than you are taking them in the first, especially trading up for one. I, I like the Eagles doing it because that was it, I thought it was going to be their player. I thought they really liked him, and it's suitable, especially with their quarterback situation. You want someone to go and be kind of tricky with. You could do a lot of that read option, that RPO stuff with a running back and, and, and a receiver in the backfield. They could even run Wildcat with them. It's actually a lot of fun. But um, in terms of like receiver depth in this draft, it's so wide that I'd like to go receiver maybe third and corner in the second or safety. That's what I'd look at right now. Well, I mean, you mentioned about Justin Herbert's, Herbert's tape being out there, but he did win the last four games of last season when defensive coordinators could have adapted to him a bit. In fact, your last loss was against, uh, oh, yeah, the Patriots, 45-0. But I just bring that one up for you, Andrew. That's all. Yeah, I'll bring it up. <laughs> I enjoy that. You know, but thank you for being the springboard for us never losing another game. It's, it's very important that you've done that for us, you know. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 I was mortified a small bit. I don't think you'll take this personally. To go and lose 45 zip to that Patriots team of any other Patriots team, just spoke a lot. And, but I come back to the identity thing again. Unless you're pathetic, you shouldn't be losing 45 zip to anyone, let alone a Patriots yeah. team that was deprived of all their strengths. It just goes to show that inherently, if you've got a weak-bellied side against a team that have been perennial winners for so long, regardless of their talent, that's what ends up showing. Because I think everyone knows in this league, there's so much ego. And it's just, it's a load of lads that are absolutely fueled to their heads in adrenaline. Because there's probably 0.1% in terms of talent differential from the worst player in the league to the best in, in a given position. Because they're such good athletes. So it is just that mental drive. And I, I hate this overusage of sports psychology. At the end of the day, if you do your job and you're efficient and you're well coached, you're fine. But there is that just baggage that you end up taking with you with these awful franchises that have historically been weak. And I thought that was like the culmination of it, to be honest. But look, um, we're in a situation now where we now have no more excuses if we get a corner in this. There is no excuses. And this group, especially when they when they gel together, people forget that Bulaga missed an awful lot of time last year. Um, they missed an awful lot of time. And you now go on your offensive line looks like Rashawn Slater, um, Abushi. Lindsley, Foyler and Balaga coming back hopefully healthy. That's probably, I'm not to be facetious, a top eight, top nine group in the league. I don't want to go too far, but it's probably a top ten group anyway. I think that's safe to say, especially with Lindsley and there you've got an all-pro centre. He's probably the best centre in football. So, um, I would be very keen on, on seeing how he progresses because I think if that's his rookie year, and again, I know the danger of rookie years and the tape isn't there for people to go and assess, but if he goes and improves on last year, how do you improve on that? It's freakish. It's Andrew Luck's trajectory, so fingers crossed. One guy we haven't talked about the whole show this morning, Andrew, and we'll get you to talk about it very quickly, man, uh, is this guy. A little dander, he's like walking the master. <laughs> uh, what's your take on that pickup for the Patriots? I love it because I think it's a statement more so than anything else, because I think for a, a lot of the time, the Patriots were in danger of losing their fear factor if they didn't go quarterback again. And for them to, to possess, I don't care if he's the worst quarterback in the class, the fact is they've now made a statement to go out and get someone and they say, we're not going to be this soft touch for 10 years. We have a rebuild in place now. And you're not going to see Cam Newton's body wither away for 60 minutes every week. It's kind of hard to watch. Like, um, I, I liked him, but I, I'm one of these very strange people that actually preferred him over Trey Lance for the Niners. I'm not saying I preferred him as a prospect, but Shanahan's window 
with the contract situations they have and Trent Williams being as old as he is, for them to win a Super Bowl, I think they need to do it in the next two years. And schematically, and I'm, again, it's all about his footwork with Jones and how to operate within systems that are decided for him. And he's obviously highly intelligent and stuff. Um, I thought that that was the quickest path to them winning a Super Bowl, whether it was clean or not. With them going taking Trey, who I think we know of, of the quarterbacks who were in the top end of that draft, he's the rawest prospect and will take some time to develop. I don't know if he gets that in the first two years. So I think the Matt Jones pick, it, if he fell to a board at 15, the Patriots didn't take him. I think a lot of people would have been surprised. There was a couple of situations last night where I think players and their identities and their backgrounds fit the teams that they went to really, really well. Um, and I thought that was quite funny. I, I think Sertan, I always associate the Broncos with really good corners. And I think Sertan, I, like I know that the fury of going from Rodgers to potentially Fields to land in a corner might seem bad. But in two years' time, you look back at it and go, that, that was the perfect pick. I'm adamant on that. And I would love to dish them as a Jadras fan in the West. I'd love to. But I thought it was fine. I, I was sat next to Barry O'Connell last night. He's a big Broncos fan. And I said, look, I know you're upset. But I, like, if I was a Broncos fan and I had the board in front of me, that's probably where I'd have gone. You know? Um, so I didn't think that was a problem. I went and I looked and I saw Mac Jones with the Patriots. I was like, that's just the perfect identity matchup, isn't it really? The same thing Mike Parsons going to Denver because if anyone had any sort of moral compass, he wouldn't be playing in the league at all. So of course it was going to be Jerry Jones picking him up. Um, so it was just really <laughs> hanging the various matches. I thought Zayvon Collins was that rangy linebacker to come in and replace kind of Hassan Reddick and stuff for pressures on third down, playing the like Sam or Will, depending on where they want to put him. There was there was just a couple of players I thought really fit the identities of the teams they went to. Jason Allway going to Baltimore is beautiful. Um, and Matt Jones is just another one of those because let's be realistic. I, I, is there a franchise that you trust more to go and develop him than New England now? I don't care if he's not toolsy, I don't care if it's not pretty. He's going to be efficient. And you know yourself, if you can teach him the checks and the motion, the Patriots, bar Julian Edelman for a long time, really struggled with drafting receivers and picking up in the good ones, the efficiency that were there. If you can go and you can dictate personnel and he knows where to motion out an extra receiver to go and, and get someone on the slot for a size difference, you can teach him that. And all of a sudden, the throws that he didn't have on film or the other throws don't become issues because you've got... Uh, an unbelievable tight end. He's got two of them, by the way. The bizarre offseason that was the New England Patriots. But he's now got two tight ends. But if you both put, if you put them in dual slots or whatever, if you go four wide, uh, you're gonna. No team really has that perfect nickel corner or that safety hybrid. No team definitely has two of them. So what do you do now? All of a sudden, you've got these really easy completions for Jones. And if he gets in rhythm, and you know that Alabama offense is all about rhythm and timing. If he's in rhythm and timing in New England and they're doing the right things that they did for Brady for the last 20 years, I genuinely think he could have the best rookie year of all these quarters. Honestly, I would not be shocked. Now, do I think he's the long-term answer for any other team? Probably not. But I love Mac Jones because I'm, I don't want to be hipster about it, like, but I thought he was a perfect fit for a couple of teams and it really made a ton of sense to go into a timing offense. And he's landed in one of them and I like it. I, he'll be looked after. He won't be overly exposed. They're not going to do it to him because they know what they have now. And in a lot of ways, I don't, I don't mean because he, he definitely probably wasn't the 15th best player in the draft, but he was probably the best situation for them to go at 15. I, I don't know anyone in behind that would have went that would have improved them as much as he might do. And for them, I think the expectation in New England and I think the expectation that a wider fan base would be here in the UK is that they go and need to be competitive every single year because they've dug themselves in that hole now. And the Patriots, as a brand, need to be consistently competitive. And I think this is actually the pick that gives them the best chance to do it. So, 
Yeah, I, I see um, a lot of truth in what you're saying. To me, it made an awful lot of sense. Uh, some people were just so down on him. Um, you would swear that, you know, he was smoking 40 bags a day um, and uh, struggling to uh, go upstairs with the talk about his athletic ability. But we will see. Just one thing that you, you mentioned, I, like the Broncos certainly on defense, certain is, is a fit. He's a great player. Um, but I saw uh, Andrew Mason tweeted out something this morning that since 2018, 33 teams teams have allowed 22 points or fewer, just five finished below five, uh, 500. Broncos are two of them, so we're good at being the exception. The three others are the Jags in 2018, Chargers 2019, and Washington 2020, all of whom changed their uh, quarterback the following season. So the Broncos being the exception there. So interesting times. Before um, you know, we, we, we let you go, I suppose I'm interested. We haven't talked much in relation to Trevor Lawrence because it was so obvious. But the Jags' other pick um, in the first round and the Steelers obviously going running back. Um, your thoughts uh, on that, Andrew? Would, would you have taken a running back if you were the, the Jags as your your second first round, and also the the Najee Harris pick up for the Steelers? Yeah, I, I think Najee was just a fit, wasn't he? I think everyone kind of saw it coming, and at, at points it, it became so. I think sometimes front offices can can buy into the hype, but I think sometimes some of them are too distant. Whereas the Raiders obviously don't listen to any any logic outside of that room. I think sometimes general, uh, general managers and front offices can listen too much to the hype around them. The Steelers, it made sense for them, but like he's obviously a very talented player, and I love that. I love that he goes in and he slots in there to an offense that you're trying to grasp the last few years of of whatever you have a stability at the position with Ben. Um, are they good enough to even win that division? Uh, so I, I don't know if if you're now plotting for the short term and try to launch a, um, an attempt at winning a Super Bowl. I don't know if that's feasible. I don't know if they're even the second best team in that division anymore. So it's it's hard to actually make that point. In terms of the, the value of drafting a running back at 24, I hate that. I've always hated that. As a as a, a fan of a team who generally find running backs as undrafted free agents, I, maybe it's just it's a bit of bias in that regard. But I think like the Broncos fans on here will see the Philip Lindsay stuff. We see the Austin Eckler stuff. If you go and you disperse of a first-round pick for someone who might have so many touches a year and have their body broken by year three, you were picking up their fifth-year option actually seems like a negative rather than a positive. I've never seen the sense in that. I just don't get it. Um, he can do an awful lot of good things. I think Travis Etienne, I probably preferred Etienne ever so slightly because I think he's better out of the backfield. His problem is pass protection. Um, but it, there is a dual threat there in terms of his background with Clemson with Lawrence that really works and it's really appealing. I also think it's very marketable. And I think this is the thing that people are looking at. Urban is a big name to go in there. Trevor is obviously a massive name. But now you go and you say, well, we've got the Clemson Tigers here who consistently been one of the best recruiters in football. We've recreated everything about their identity. Um, look out to see if Amari Rogers goes later on in the draft, see where he goes. That'll be fun. But it, to me, it became a marketing thing and it actually made sense because I don't think they reach per se. I don't, I don't think that at all. But it, it's now a thing with them where they need to be more conscious outside of football and gather fan base internationally because I think that's a lot of where their focus has been. And all of a sudden you have this really appealing thing. Jagger is one of those funky fan bases and one of those funky teams that for the longest time seemed like they needed to just have this driven, constant identity because everything changed for so long. I don't know why in the world they thought taking a quarterback from UCF was a wise thing at certain times. But um, all of a sudden now they're in a position where things can actually fit for them. And they're this marketing tool and this powerhouse where they can compete in a division that I, I, I'm very indifferent to, you know. Um, and, I, you know, it makes a ton of sense for them. In terms of value, again, I, there's so many other places I would have gone. 
but for them, specifically for them, I'm fine with it. I think it makes a lot more sense than the Steelers taking Najee, to be honest. Andrea, I feel like we could sit and talk for four or five hours. I really enjoy all us to God on this 20th. I really enjoyed your insight in the draft last night and the amount of players you rhymed off there and stuff has been fantastic. We'll definitely have to get you on again at some point man, in the future if, if you're up for it. Uh, loved your tweet yesterday about Michal Martin, just to put that out there. And uh, look here, enjoy the rest of the draft weekend and thanks a million for coming on, man. Thank you, folks. I'm straight back to bed. Cheers. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, oh, Andrew. Andrew. See you there, man. Good luck. Uh, and that was Andrew. Uh, look, thanks many for Andrew coming on. Boys, I never told you. I need to tell you now very quickly. I was in Centra in Clare um, on Thursday morning. Uh, no, Wednesday morning, getting a Frank and Honest coffee. I know he's wrecked. This will be quick. And this this like middle-aged man looks at me and goes, you're the NFL man. And I was like, aye. And just walked on. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Uh, boys, very quickly, special guest tonight. Does somebody want to shout out who it is? Yeah, the great Mike Carlson is coming on, <clears throat> who has a great insight into the game. You would have seen him covering the NFL and off the ball and on BBC throughout the years and on Channel 5 back in the day. So uh, I know he'd have a lot to say about Rack Jones and the pages. So it'll be yeah. a good show tonight. My, my it'll probably go on for about five hours. My all-time favourite analyst. We could talk to him for years, to be honest with you. Mike, Mike Carson, Matt Coons got me into it, man. I can't wait to chat to Mike. Me, me and Collins with him last year. He's fantastic. It'll be Amazing. good crack. Bring the Guinness. Uh, 10 o'clock tonight. I am now driving to Monaghan. If you do see me out and about, give me a shout, and we'll talk some Mac Jones, some Trevor Lords. But for now, gentlemen, ladies, thank you very much. Uh, here's a live look from the war room. Good day. i got to give a shout-out to uh, Brian O'Leary, shot a shot. I don't know how you got my email. <laughs>